0: Good day, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Today, Michael Maso, who is the head of the Employment Law Department, and I are going to be discussing vaccination in the workplace for COVID 19. I'm Verly Oersthausen, and Michael and I deal with all of the employment law issues at Shepsen and Wiley.
1: Yep, I'm Michael Maso, as Verly has said, and I'm here to discuss the issue of. Uh, COVID-19 vaccination and the impact on in the workplace.
0: Thanks so much, Mark. So let's talk about this mandatory vaccination policy and when it was this first started to be talked about and what you have seen in terms of queries coming from employers.
1: Yeah, the first thing people have asked is what does an employer do um, faced with this issue of vaccination and can an employer compel employees To be vaccinated before they return to work Um, and i suppose before we deal with that one should really consider the the whole issue of vaccinations against employees rights that they may or may not have because it appears and certainly that's the query i've been getting from clients is that there's so much press out there at the moment which seems to suggest that employees would have the right to refuse in which case the employer is stuck with a bunch of people that may not be of any use to them and we have to then devise a plan on how to deal with that. So perhaps the first thing to do would really be to put the whole thing into context in respect of employees rights and then uh, then we can deal with uh, any sort of views we may have on implementing a mandatory vaccination program in the workplace.
0: Okay, well Constitutional rights, as you know, I like getting stuck into those. (laughs) And uh, obviously there's this constitutional right to uh, privacy, to bodily integrity, and South Africans are particularly um, resolute about their rights. They don't want to have their rights infringed. They want to be able to make their own decisions. And sometimes that uh, comes up against international best practice or the way that people, you know, need to run businesses. And with a mandatory vaccination policy, obviously you are telling people to undergo a medical procedure or to um, go against their bodily integrity and making decisions for them that they may not want to follow. And in South Africa, people really don't like that. And so we have to try and balance those issues. Um, there's safety in the workplace, obviously, and then there's also people's constitutional rights. And sometimes it's even a, a constitutional right to freedom of religion. There are some religions that say that you that you mustn't have vaccinations, but you can't always, uh, you know, you can't always please everybody. You can't always take everybody's rights into consideration, and so, I don't know, Michael, what do you think? How, how do we deal with these kind of rights in the workplace um, as a
1: general rule? Yeah, I think I think you, you hit it on the head to start off with, is that South African employment law has been rights indoctrinated from the beginning. You have the right to strike, we have the right to not to be unfairly dismissed, a host of rights that flow from employment legislation. And this is just an add-on um, in respect to those issues and and you know although it's COVID-19 which is flavor of the month and everyone is a little hysterical about it rightly so you know we, we've we've crossed various pandemics or diseases in in in, in the world um, going right back to smallpox we've had measles we've had polio we've had um, HIV in the workplace how to handle that um, and all those things were dealt with initially with a certain um, a certain amount of kid glove approach initially and then slowly uh, employers began to um, develop a little bit of confidence on how to deal with these things and a bit of um, and the courts began to intervene of course and set out some guidelines. The difficulty we have with COVID-19 of course is because it's so new and we have a government unfortunately who who seems to be sending down to employers a certain message in terms of the um, the consolidated direction, I think it is, on occupational health and safety measures, which we'll deal with shortly. And that really suggests that employers can consider a mandatory vaccination program, which is quite a far-reaching step to take in the employment space. But on the other hand, we have government stating quite publicly that it's not going to force anybody to um, to have a vaccination and not going to force kids going to school to be vaccinated. So it's a bit of a mixed message, because as an employer, you need to be pretty bold to say, okay, we're going to go a forced vaccination route. But on the other hand, government seems to be giving people the right to choose, which means when I get to that crossroads, when I'm dealing with people who are refusing, how do I deal with them? How is the court going to approach this? Will they think it's fair if I dismiss, given that government has endorsed an element of choice in the whole program? And that's the dilemma that we will have to face. And unfortunately, We can't give you any crystal ball advice at this stage because the courts have yet to determine this issue, but we can give you, we hope, a fairly reasoned um, response to the approach. And the balance is the critical issue that you've identified.
0: And I think that as good attorneys, we are always going to say it depends on the facts of the case. So we can't say to you that in every single instance, in every single case, we are going to say implement a mandatory vaccination policy, because you want to have a situation where you can actually go to your employees and say to them, this is the story. These are the facts. These are the reasons why we are telling you that you have to have a mandatory vaccination. These are the exceptions to the rule, or this is the reason why there are no exceptions to the rule. because when you implement these kind of policies and it just seems like you're implementing them because you're just saying so, people get quite resistant. But if you are saying, here are the facts, this is our business, you are in contact with people or you are we are in a situation where everybody is standing very close to one another or you are a teacher and dealing with children every day or you are a medical worker and you are dealing with sick people, you know, give people a good reason and um, usually you can explain it and, you know, implement the policies that you want to implement. And I think also that if you look at what's happening globally, there is going to be this push for, these mandatory, for this mandatory vaccination. Just practically speaking, I think, if you look at how people are going to have to travel, uh, you're going to have to say you're vaccinated. Otherwise, you're going to get quarantined for two weeks. And from a business perspective, surely that just puts a huge spanner in the works.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I think the operational requirements of the business will really dictate the way forward. The difficulty with that, of course, and we'll deal with that later, is that if one follows that route to its end goal, the law requires a severance to be paid. Um unless a reasonable alternative is is offered and refused. And uh, and that's the devil of the detail will be in that aspect, I think, to determine whether there has been a reasonable alternative. But you know, um, to come back to the old example of HIV, the Employment Equity Act has really got a provision in it that says you can't you can't have medical testing in the workplace um, unless it's an inherent requirement of the job, and in those instances you may still be required to go to court and get the Labor Court to pronounce that you are in fact entitled to test. I recall in the distant past when HIV was the hot topic, some employers tried to implement mandatory testing then. Of employees, and that was deemed to be a breach of that particular provision. If it, if a blanket approach was applied, um, the SAA had a famous case where it um, it refused to allow a a what um, audi- on an a air hostess steward, steward, steward the male version yeah. of an air hostess. The, the issue there is that they said there was a blanket rule that you couldn't you couldn't operate in a in, in a plane if you were HIV positive, and the the operational reason for that was if there's an accident of a plane crashes then that steward needs to be running around helping people and and if that steward is is injured and bleeding then it, then through HIV it, it poses a threat to the the passengers. Of course the first question that has to be asked is that if there is a plane crash the the prospects of survival are pretty nil um, so the, perhaps it wasn't the most radical uh, explanation to have but but eventually what, the, what they did they drilled down into the actual um, the medicine, uh, the science of the disease and it worked out that there's certain degrees of uh, as the disease progresses. And at the first stage, it's not quite as infectious. And therefore, the, a person should still be allowed to work during the first stage of HIV. And it all turned on the cell count and the red blood uh, count, I think, and it was a fairly scientific approach to it. Now, I don't think that same scientific approach can be applied to COVID-19, but but it gives you an, an, um, an idea that we really have legislation that says you can't test unless it's inherent requirement to the job are you then, so COVID-19 vaccination is really a form of a test, so we have to think carefully as to whether we're going to be able to get around that um, without um, breaching any rules and regulations, but, but as you said, and I agree wholeheartedly, it'll turn on the inherent requirement of the job. If you've got a production line of, of manufacturing motor vehicles, for instance, where you've got 1,000 employees working on a production line, cheek to jowl, one guy doing the wheels, one guy doing the wheel nut, one guy doing the fender, and they working eight-hour shifts, nine-hour shifts, cheek to jowl in a large area, admittedly. But ventilation isn't great. Um, it's 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 uh, it's legal in terms of the the Occupational Health and Safety Act, but but you still have these people that work cheek to jowl. They share canteen facilities. They get changed together. They've got lockers close together. Um, I think in those circumstances, it it would be it would be reasonable to expect those employees to be vaccinated.
0: But also you've got to consider the fact that in terms of those regulations, employees are allowed to say that they're not going to work because there's a danger that they're going to um, contract COVID-19. So if they know that Mr Smith, who is two people down in their production line refuses to get vaccinated and Mr Smith is going to a whole lot of events with people who also refuse to be vaccinated, then you say well, I refuse to work because I'm going to get COVID and you, Mr. Employer, aren't doing anything about it. And in terms of occupational health and safety, there is that requirement uh, for employers to keep the workplace safe. And that's not just machine safe, that's COVID-19 safe. So it's bringing all of those things into the pot. And if somebody is working in a production line, you can't isolate them um, and and put them into a little room to do their their one bolt. Uh, You actually have to have them in the production line. And as we always go back to, it depends on the facts of the case. It depends yeah. on the structure of the business. It depends on all of those things.
1: Cor- correct. I mean, and and that is the, the main response you've seen in the press here, that most – employers have cottoned on to that section in the Occupational Health and Safety Act, that there is a legal obligation upon an employer to ensure that the workplace is, or they they need to take reasonable measures to ensure that the workplace is safe. Now for a safe workplace, it's not just that you're going to make sure there aren't any sharp instruments floating around for people to walk into, or um, intoxicated heister drivers whipping around the factory. it, It goes a bit further than that. You've got to take steps to ensure that that in-between, intra-employee, that there is a safe environment. So there is then, I think, an obligation to ensure, or at least you've got to take reasonable steps as an employer, to ensure that you're not creating a situation where you are allowing a person to arrive at work where that person may infect others. And the only way you can really deal with that um, in the circumstances we've described where you cheek to jowl and those type of things is... Is to ensure that there's a vaccination, or that employees are vaccinated. Um, so that comes back to my first point: is that you're going to end up having to either introduce some kind of vaccination policy, or you're going to have to ask employees what their vaccination status is. Now, that 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 I think, as things currently stand, could be a bit of a problem in terms of the way the legislation is 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 drafted, unless the courts will understand and interpret that question to be necessary as an inherent requirement of the job you